sing at camp. The song is called When I Lay My Isaac Down. It's a great truth. I'll come back. I'm going to have some stuff to say before we get to the message. You can have the text ready, and we'll get to that eventually. Uh, but we'll enjoy this special, and then we'll move on.
That's a blessing. Sure am thankful for that. So, um, if, if you remember, I, I know I'm not remembering this number exactly. When we go over the budget, uh, we made a change a couple of years ago that we were going to show on our annual budget exactly how much camp cost. Um, talking with our, our trustees and leadership about that, we just we wanted it to be reflected in the actual cost. Is somewhere in between twelve and fifteen thousand dollars for our church, and and we just need to show that. And it it's amazing the level of generosity and and you know different things that we do, and we and we try not to do a lot of what we call fundraisers, but we don't require a price. You know, work for a day, we don't tell you there's a minimum amount. I mean, you could give them a dollar an hour, and we're not going to come and complain to you. That's that's essentially like anything you would give to the Lord. It's between you and God. And uh, tapping into people's faith and generosity is the biblical approach to it and, you know, letting people give. And I just, I want to thank God for the way that you minister in that. And it, it, is, it is a lot. And if I can encourage you with this, it's not going to get cheaper. It, camp's not going to get cheaper uh, just because of economic factors and things like that. Uh, at least as far as I know, but but it's worth the investment because of because of this and what you hear every year. It's worth the investment, and then you take that, and this is happening in other churches. It's worth the investment. You cannot put a dollar amount on the value of God's work in the life of a of a person, and and I'm so thankful for a church family that makes this possible, primarily by your spirit. Okay, the, the money is secondary because if we had people complaining about how much camp costs or complaining about those kind of efforts, it would hinder the work of the Holy Spirit. The buy-in is not primarily a financial, but the, the financial side of it is a reflection of the spiritual buy-in to it. And I am thankful for that from this church. I appreciate the way that you buy in and the spirit that is demonstrated in that. I want to clarify that because where I was sitting, there was some confusion about this. Brother Vi was talking about Brother Chad putting on a few pounds, not Miss Georgia. And so there, there were rumblings about who he was talking about. And I'm going to go ahead and clarify that that is what he meant. Whether it's what he meant or not, that's what he meant. <laughs> And so that, he was talking about Brother Chad, and Brother Chad's secure enough, he'll be okay. And Miss Georgia still looks 22, and we praise the Lord for that. Um, uh, but the, the, the spirit of the fee of ice, when, we, when I, I asked, told them I needed them to make a transition from the youth to the connect class, that, that spirit that you heard tonight, Brother fee of I didn't tell me what he was going to say, but the spirit that you heard tonight is the spirit that makes a church strong and makes it unified and makes it stable. And if you're going to be in the Lord's work, and I, and I, I do agree with Brother Vi about this, I am very flawed. And, and I, I am aware that I am very flawed. And yet I'm also aware that God has to, if God's going to lead, he's going to lead through people. And you just have to do your best to admit the flaw, to stay humble, and then to try to move forward. And you can't do that if people aren't willing to buy in. And Brother Fiavai and Brother Rothana, as much as anyone else, they demonstrate that spirit that is necessary in order for a church to be healthy and in order for it to move forward. I, I, just, I just try to, to bask in what we get to be a part of here as a church family. No, look, it, you get, I know you're tired. I know you're busy. 
I know the next thing's coming. I know personally there's some very serious, real battles. We got people battling cancer. We got people with job issues. We got relationship issues. I understand we got all kinds of stuff going on. But if you can just pause for a moment and bask in what we get to be a part of here. And just say, man, it, it is incredible to get to be a part of a place where this kind of thing is going on. I will continue to say this with God's help. And this is not because of me. It's the work of Jesus Christ and people have to buy in. This is not happening everywhere, this kind of thing. And it's a privilege to get to be a part of it. And I'm so, I'm so thankful for how your spirit buys in and you make it, and you make it possible in that way. Uh, I appreciate Brother Fiavai mentioning Chad in Georgia. Um, I, I say this pretty regularly. Churches should not be in competition with each other. And unfortunately, that creeps in, and, and in order, and if for the sake of self-preservation, pastors will make ridiculous comments. Look, if God is going to build West Valley, we don't need to tear anybody else down. We just, I mean, if he's going to build it, he's going to build it. And if he's not, then us tearing anybody else down isn't going to help it. And that doesn't mean that we can work closely with every other church. In fact, the truth is, just biblically and philosophically, we can't work closely with most churches. It's just, and, and, and you should appreciate that, but South Valley is a sister church, and I mean that in every way. We don't do things exactly the same, and we're not, we're not supposed to, we're not commanded to, but the love for the Lord in the heart is the same, and, and South Valley Baptist Church is a sister to West Valley, is a friend to West Valley, and I hope that they can say, it, say the opposite too. Brother Chad and Miss Georgia lead that camp. That was a vision that Brother Dean had when he moved out here and started South Valley Baptist Church. One of the visions was to start a camp, and Sawtooth Baptist Youth Camp was started a decade ago. And, and Brother Chad and Miss Georgia really make that happen, and I'm thankful for them. They, they are friends to this church. The Herrings are friends to this church. And it's, a, and it's a blessing. And we, and we need more in this valley. We don't, we don't need just our two. We need more. And if God will let us, we're going to be a part of starting more in, in his time and when he's ready for those things. But I'm just, I'm thankful for that. I, I'm going to seem like I'm taking a sidetrack here. And you're like, what does this have to do? But, but I'll tie it in. Um, on Sunday night, we, uh, or was it, I think, yeah, last Sunday night. We had opportunity to give a love offering to um, Holly Johnson, and uh, so my my heart hurts for her what she's gone through physically. Just and it, unless the Lord just does a miracle, it's going to be a, a lifelong struggle. And just the, those dynamics with her brain and the and the fluid, and she's getting ready to have a pretty significant surgery on Tuesday, and then she's going to have to be there in Baltimore. Um, for at least a month, just um, recovering. Um, but some personal dynamics in her family made the lead up to this even more difficult. You know what I mean? And, and, and when people fail you, that makes it more difficult. And, and we don't do this for everyone. We're not doing it for everyone. I've asked you to guard against. We can't just come along with the love offering and bail everybody out. But I just got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and, and this was a situation where I felt like we needed to have some, we had some obligation. And so just, just on Sunday night, you gave over $3,000, and I felt like we needed to round it up to 5000 and so that's what we did for her. And, I just, it, and that's in the midst of camp, and, and here's what I mean. 
when, when you rely on God and allow his grace to help you be generous, it, it just, it's going to produce so much more than you could ever imagine. And, and you remember for the offering, we didn't, there was no browbeating at all. It was just, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what's going on. Do what you think you need to do. And so, Miss Holly, we love you and we, and we appreciate you. But I'm, I'm thankful. Um, I'm thankful for it, just seeing God tangibly work. Um, man, Echo, where you at, kid? Uh, just seeing the tangible difference. And how God is working in your life, kid. We're thankful for it. And then where's Maddie at? You know, I've, I've given Maddie, you know, just I've, I've had a little more access out of necessity to her life. And I wish it wasn't so, but I'm thankful that we, this is why we have a church family. Because you don't know when these things are going to come. And I've, I've told Maddie more than once, yeah, your attitude is a little feisty, mama. And you need to... You need to rein that in. You're like, well, man, circumstances that come can really make you mad, right? But it doesn't justify it. You know what helps it, though, is when you get Jesus. <laughs> and just the joy, man, just the joy that he brings. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. I'm glad God spoke to Jason through the girls' session. That Where did he go? Yeah, that joke landed about as well as my jokes landed, by the way, so... I had multiple people look at me when you said that and go, that's your son. And I'm like, oh, thank you for that anyway. So just, just so, so very, so much to be thankful for and a privilege to be a part of it all. And I'm excited about Vacation Bible School starting Monday night. So during the morning sessions, Pastor Jet spoke about life hacks. And then in the evenings, he spoke about lies that uh, teenagers believe. I'm actually just going to give you a summary of one of those messages tonight. And then I'm going to make an application to you um, as parents. So in 1 Samuel chapter 17, why don't you go ahead and stand, please? 1 Samuel 17. If you've, if you've paid attention, you know that on this, this particular message, the, the camp night message, I don't make as much applications to the teens as I do to the families of the teens and to the church family of the teens. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 17, here was the, here was the, the lie that Pastor Jet dealt with about the life of David facing Goliath, one person is not enough to make a difference. But here's the thought that I want you to have tonight. And, and here will be the title. Here is the title. David faced two giants. David faced two giants. So, Verse 4, there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass, and he had greaves of brass upon his legs, and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. He's enormous. I mean, he, he would make everyone in this room look tiny. And he's 
around 10, maybe more feet. His armor is, is just incredibly heavy and imposing. And so he cries to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against them and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Verse 20, and David rose up in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words. And David heard them. You know what that is? That's the obvious giant. That, that's the obvious giant. But then in verse 24, all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. So you get the scene. Goliath shows up. David's there. He sees it. Goliath does what he's been doing for 40 days. David hears the words, and he sees all the men of Israel flee and run from him. And in verse 25, they say, look, this is what... This is how amazing he is, and this is what's going to be promised to the man that kills him. And then David says in verse 26... What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. Here's what David is saying. This shouldn't be going on. No, okay, come on, get this. Goliath is defying God. Grown men are cowering before him who know what their God is capable of a teenager shows up and hears the defamation of their God and of their nation and sees the cowardice of grown men and he says hey this should not be happening somebody should do something and that's when we're introduced to the less obvious but sometimes the more intimidating giant in verse 28, and Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. Now, here's what's amazing. In verse 29, David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? He wasn't looking for affirmation. That was a statement of conviction right there. But before David overcame Goliath, he had to overcome the giant in his own home. And unfortunately, unfortunately, even in churches like this, young people trying to follow God are having to overcome two giants. The ones outside and the ones inside. Father, 
you've already spoken to us, and, and God, I just, my heart's so stirred. I'm thankful. I am, I am grateful, God, that I would get to have any part in your work, and I'm thankful for the people that you let me serve you with. So much to say thank you for. I just, I ask now that you'd help me to, Lord, I know the teens have already heard some aspects of this, but God, would you help me to communicate truth that would be helpful to families helping their teens follow you, families helping their children follow you, and to our church being a family that helps people follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. I hope this will make sense. I was watching uh, Justin play in a soccer game, and I know right away some of you are checked out when I say soccer, um, but, but he was playing soccer uh, this past winter in, into the spring, and man, the temperature was at, at this game, the temperature was like, I don't know, 38 degrees, 40 degrees. It's raining. The, the, wind, the wind is blowing like crazy, and it's just absolutely miserable out there. And you see a lot of, you see some family members, they're going and sitting in their vehicles and people are huddling up like penguins in the Arctic and got blankets around them. And it just, it, it, it's just not fun. And on top of that, Justin's team is, is getting wrecked. I mean, laid waste to. It was just, I mean, ridiculous. And, and, and so you're watching all of this. And honestly, I just wanted to go sit in the vehicle and I just, you know, respond to some text or, you know, pray and take a nap or whatever it is I was going to do and, okay, finish the game. But I, but I had this thought. Justin is, Justin is out there. He's trying. He, he's battling. And, and I want to be in a place where he can see his dad and my posture is an encouragement to him because he's, he's suffering. He, he, no, he is suffering. You know, by the end of the match, he, he didn't have any gloves on. He decided not to wear a hoodie. He's just in, he's just in a, a, his jersey, his short sleeve jersey and shorts, no gloves. It, it, it's raining. The, the game is about an hour long total, and he's just in that environment. He, he legitimately is suffering. And I just decided this. I'm going to get as close to the field, right on the baseline, where I know he's going to be facing a lot. And every time he looks this way, I want him to be able to see his dad. I just, I want him to recognize that as miserable as it is and as poor as the game is going, he can always look to his dad to find someone that's in his corner. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want him to see me sitting in the vehicle. I didn't want him to be out there running around and think, man, I don't, I don't know where my dad is. I want to be a help. I wanted my posture to be a help to him. Does it make sense? Because he already, listen, listen, he already had enough obstacles. His team stunk. No, look, I'm honest about it. You're like, that hurts their feelings. Oh, well, play better. I don't know what to tell you. His team stunk, and that's not necessarily his fault. His team, his team stunk. The weather is awful. It's not going well. There's enough giants to overcome, and he knows this. If I thought that for half a second he was checking out on his team when it wasn't going well, I'd make him stay out in that rain and run laps. 
Because you don't quit just because it's hard. And you don't quit just because somebody's better than you. You don't, you don't quit because they're giants. I just didn't want to be another giant in his life. Make sense? God chose David. You can't overstate this. In chapter 16, I think David is, is anointed to be the king over Israel. God has chosen David, and God has given David opportunity to serve him. It's something that we major on every year at camp, and whether I am preaching or whether, and, and man, I, Pastor Jet was used of God this week, and, and the theme that the Adams sought God for and that he gave them in surrender, it meshed perfectly with the preaching that Pastor Jet did. I'm just telling you, it was an amazing week. And something that we try to convey to the teen, something that we try to convey to everyone in this church and that we have access to in this ministry is that God has a plan for your life. Please don't get bored with this. There's so many voices saying that it's just random and you can do whatever you want. But we reject that idea biblically because we believe that God created each one of you. God created each one of you on purpose for a specific purpose in this time, that your life is not an accident, that you are here for a specific reason, and that God has a plan for your life, but God isn't going to force that plan on your life. You're going to have to make decisions to surrender to it and to allow certain processes to take place so that he can get you from where you are to where he wants you to be. No, I believe that. I breathe that. My heart beats with that passion that God, the eternal God, has a plan for the lives of every one of these young ladies and every one of these young men and every person from Sandy King all the way down, from Sandy King all the way up, God has a plan for your life. Now whether you experience it or not is up to you. But he has a plan. And David, even as a teenager, bought in. Young people, you don't have to be 27 to buy into what God is doing. You can follow God now as a 19-year-old, as a 17-year-old, as a 14-year-old. And listen, don't you play this game, man. Caleb, I'll talk about you again in a minute. And, and I'm thankful for what you said about the things you've had to overcome in your life. Don't you play this game that it's somebody else's fault if you don't follow God. No, your life can be hard, and it will be hard, and there will be adversities. But don't you, don't you buy this lie from Satan that it's other people's fault if you don't follow God. You have everything that you need to know him and to follow him and to be used by him. So David comes out, and he, he sees this giant. And this was not carnal ambition this was the passion of a young man who was aware of God, who was aware of God's purpose for his life, and who wanted to be used to help the people of God. David wasn't here to make a name for himself. David wanted to help the people of God. And so he stands up and he tries to rally the troops and he tries to get grown men who had more experience and who should have been leading the way. He tries to motivate them to go and face this giant, not in their own energy and strength, but in the capacity and in the sufficiency of God. No, don't face him because you're better. Face him because God is better than him. 
And just like God brought our forefathers through the Red Sea and into the promised land, if that God could do those things, that God can handle this giant. There's nothing that is too big for him. That was the obvious giant. But before David ever set foot on the battlefield to face that giant, he had to face another giant. I want you to get the visual. I want you to see it. Robbie, can you come? Brother Robbie, can you come up? Just, Jason, you're, a, you're around the age David would be. You just stand over here on this side, please. God has a plan. No, no, no. Is there not a cause? This wasn't some rallying cry to promote himself. This is what God can do. Turn and look at Rob, Brother Robbie and say, this is what God can do. This is what God can do. Quit smirking about it. <laughs> I'll say it. This is what God can do. So you know what happens. It's basically big brother, little brother. What are you doing? No, no, it's not like that. It's more like. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, say that louder, please. Yeah, he just starts talking smack to him. There, there's no indication in the text that David was uniquely big in stature. He's just a normal, average Jewish kid. But before he ever faced the 10-foot giant, he had to face the giant in his own home that accused his motives, that refused to be an example and that stood in the way of him following God. Do you see it? Guys, you can sit down. Thank you for helping. Here's what Eliab did wrong. Number one, he was faithless. He wasn't surrendered in areas in his own life. You know why you're afraid of the Philistine? You know why you're cowering in fear? Because you're not surrendered like you need to be. Not that you would never feel fear, but when that fear controls you, it's because you're not surrendered. Number two, he was critical. <laughs> and faith, I'm getting, man, God is good to keep bringing this to the surface. Faithlessness always produces a critical spirit. And when someone is not surrendered in one area, it will eventually manifest itself in a critical spirit about what others are doing. And rather than looking at himself and saying, hey, what am I doing that I shouldn't be? Or what am I not doing that I should be? And what is going on with my own walk with God that my younger brother would have more courage than I do? Instead, he tries to ignore his own lack of commitment and faith. And he begins to focus on the flaws or what he perceives to be the flaws and the shortcomings of David. They weren't actually flaws and shortcomings. And by the way, teenagers, don't forget this. God uses the few sheep to prepare you to face the giant. And if you take care of the few sheep like you're supposed to, it's going to prepare you to be a king one day. But here is, here is Eliab challenging his younger brother, making false accusations against him, and attacking his motive because he wasn't surrendered. Here's the statement. Don't be another obstacle that your kids have to overcome. 
Now think about it for a minute. We got plenty. They got plenty to overcome. Let me just talk to you about it for a minute. Now, I don't think they should have unlimited, uncontrolled, unaccountable access to any technology. But even controlled, limited, accountable access to technology, there's still danger. Because there's danger for all of us in it. Technology has benefits, but there's also a multitude of danger that you don't even have to be looking for. I don't know if you're aware of this, but there is a terroristic, militant, sexual agenda targeting your children, targeting our families, targeting our churches. There is plenty to be overcome. The overcome. The, the, the culture is not getting more friendly towards the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is only getting more deviant and wicked and opposing the truth of Jesus Christ. And, and, and the, 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 the challenges that they face, like Paul said to Timothy, know this, that in the last days, evil men shall wax worse and worse. You can believe in fairy tales, but as we get closer to the Lord returning, it's not going to get easier. It's not going to get less hostile. The intensity of Satan's opposition through those that reject Jesus Christ is only going to increase. And on top of all of that, they're sinners. <laughs> See, y'all don't enjoy that as much as I do, but what? Sinner, 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 definitely a sinner. You did a good job tonight, Mike, but sinner, sinner, really a sinner, Mina. Katie, you're pretty, but sinner, Echo, we're so glad you're here. But the reason you needed to get saved is because you're a sinner. Audrey, don't shoot those darts at me. I mean, Gretchen, sorry. Okay, I'm a sinner too. And you're a sinner. I know you loved hanging out with me at camp, Ayla. Make eye contact with me and don't smile. You're so good at that. Sinner. Asian daughter, I love you. Sinner. Stormy. Sinner. <laughs> sinner. Sinner, 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 sinner. Okay, what am I talking about? They already face enough giants. And this is what we would say. Well, I'm not, I'm not trying to hinder them. But when you're not surrendered, you can't help but hinder them. Now look, I, this is where I'm going to talk about just for a minute, just going to write, they, not the only ones. I'll just, Caleb, the Selvages, Emma and Mina. Look, look, can God overcome the failures of others? Hallelujah, he can. Praise his name, he can. That's why we do what we do. Because you can't overcome it. I almost biffed it on that pulpit. <laughs> I was about to have something to overcome. No, you can. I'm so tired. You can. You can overcome. But listen, why would we want to create more obstacles for our teenagers to overcome? 
They come back all, let me tell you some ways you can hinder them. They come back from camp and they're fired up about the word, the work of God. We talked about this a few years ago, the cycles of Peter and the fluctuations of an adult. Don't be critical of your children because they're hot and they're cold and they have to work through those cycles. As a reminder, you're kind of the same way. There are some days where you're just locked in at church and you're excited to be here. And there are other days when your attitude fully demonstrates that you'd rather be anywhere else but church. Why? Because we have spiritual fluctuations at times and we have to work through them. Don't be an obstacle to your children working through those cycles and then confronting them and saying, you always do this. We send you to camp and pay for you to go to camp. It's not even worth the money. If any thought like that ever comes out of your mouth, you ought to humble yourself and ask God to forgive you because we are here to make spiritual investment in them. It is worth it. It is worth it. But you not being surrendered. They come in and they're, man, they're all, they're fired up about reading their Bible and then they never see you reading your Bible. They're fired up about trying to prioritize God and yet they don't see you prioritizing God at all. They're fired up about having a good attitude towards their parents. And then they see their parents choosing to not have a good attitude towards their authority. No, 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 look. I don't, none of these young people ought to be complaining about the Wicklands or the Fiavis or anybody else. But if that's true for them, that's true for their mom and dad as well. And I agree with Brother Fiavi. I am a flawed man. But flawed men and flawed women can follow God and can be used by God. And in fact, if God's going to use anybody, it's going to be flawed people. You're like, well, I just don't like this. Listen, your your spirit, if it's a critical one, it, it can be a hindrance to what God is trying to do in the lives of your kids. Like, man, you kids need to love one another, and you need to encourage each other, and you need to be a friend to everyone in the youth group, and you need to work at that. I believe that. And we try to make sure that that is happening, but that's got to be happening at an adult level. It's amazing to watch these kids admit, and I'm, I'm struggling with this habit. I got this attitude. I've got this battle in my life. I'm struggling with these things. If you want them to overcome it, you have to be showing them the way to victory. Here's the, I'll wrap it up. Don't be another giant that they have to overcome. Not just for the kids, but as a church family. Don't be another giant that somebody coming in already facing giants has to overcome. Man, are things perfect in this church? Please answer that question, yes or no. Are things perfect in this church? No, but if there are people that come in and God could use this church to help them, they don't need somebody complaining about how things are at this church. Because, because as flawed as I am, I do know this, that we're trying to preach the Bible and we're trying to lift up Jesus Christ and we're trying to actually minister to and help people. But somebody comes in that desperately needs the help of God and they can find it at a place like West Valley. But then the people that are at West Valley are just critical and critiquing and complaining and having these little clicks where we're going to say things about somebody or to someone and we're just going to kind of tear down at the spirit. And then some guest hears about that, somebody who 
who's battling addiction, who's trying to overcome suicidal thoughts, who's trying to recover from a divorce, who's trying to make spiritual progress in their life. And they're, and they're thinking, man, I agree with what's being said in the preaching, in the truth, and in the praise, but there's just this attitude that's creeping around where it's like they're tearing down each other. We can be one more giant that people have to overcome. You know that that happens at churches. What am I asking you to do? Just make sure it doesn't happen here. Make sure we don't become a church where they have to overcome one giant to overcome a second giant. Instead of being another giant, let's be a help to overcoming the giants. Let's be a help. Can I thank you for this? Can I thank you for this? You already do this so well in so many ways. You know what you, know what you help? It, it, and, and it's going to be different for everybody how, how it happens. You know, what, you know what you are for Elena? She's tired. She's tired. But you know what kind of family you've been? You've helped her overcome giants. You know what you have been for Gretchen? You help her overcome giants. You know what you were what you were to Holly Johnson on Sunday night? Just helping to affirm concern and overcome giants. Just giant. You know what you are? You are a help to people overcoming giants. You know what you could have done? Oh, man, I'm trying to land it. I just Stuff keeps coming to my brain. You know what Brother Fiavai could have used part of this transition as to create another giant? For them, for them, for all of us. But instead, Brother Fiavai has just demonstrated his capacity to be used of God. Miss Rothana has demonstrated her capacity to be used of God in more than one way. And rather than creating giants, they're helping the youth and the connect class overcome giants. Now, that's the way it ought to be because David helped lots of people overcome giants, but he had to overcome two giants before he helped everybody else overcome a giant. Don't be another giant that people have to overcome. Yeah, Brother Bill, can I just tell you, I live in pretty consistent anxiety and I don't want to lose it. I pray that God will help me stay humble that I would mess up in a way that I would become another giant that people have to overcome in their faith. I don't want to be that. I already, you know I'm flawed. But I just don't want to be a giant that people have to overcome. Let's not be another giant. Is it possible in your life, some areas if you're not careful, you could be causing another giant instead of helping people to overcome giants? Is that possible tonight? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Young people, as we have this invitation, your response should only be about you. God, help me to overcome the giants. But it may be, it may be that in some homes, in a church family, in work, in your, man, this could apply to marriage. I, I, we could, husbands, you need to apply this. You might be a giant that your wife is having to overcome. Wives, you might be a giant that your spouse is having to overcome. 
children, you could be giants that your, child, that your parents are having to overcome or someone else in the youth group is having to overcome. I just ask you to consider this. Don't be another giant that people have to overcome to follow God. Be a help. If God has spoken to your heart, be responsive to him. Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you, the testimonies, the singing, the fellowship, all of it. Would you bless the invitation in Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together. As Brother Nate sings, you respond to the Lord if God has spoken to your heart.